Hey everybody, welcome to the Cop House Podcast. I'm Doug and I'm the son. And I'm Ron, I'm the dad. This is a bi-weekly podcast that covers all things policing. We're a father and son combo with over 33 combined years of police experience. Our show will tackle anything and everything you could possibly think of regarding the great policing profession. Nothing's off limits. Welcome to episode four of the Cop House Podcast. We are two generations, one great calling. And this is a milestone for us because it is the first time that we have a guest. It is a historic day historic do you want to introduce him real quick i'd love to yeah today on the show we have Stephen lane steve is currently employed as a police officer uniformed police officer with a large metropolitan police department here in southeast michigan but before joining that agency he was with the detroit police department i believe he worked with you didn't he doug sure did yeah he joined the detroit police department after 9 11 He worked uniform patrol at the 5th Precinct, the 8th Precinct, the 9th Precinct. He was on a citywide task force named Operation Night Owl. And in 2012, he tried out and joined the underwater recovery team, which is pretty much what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, today's topic is going to be police diving. And that's how I know Steve, because he was my actually my dive instructor. And then after uh, they had a, a tragedy on the dive team. Uh, a man named Ken Steele lost his life in the line of duty in 2016. And then after that, Steve was asked uh, to become an instructor for the dive team. In 2013, with still with Detroit, he was promoted to the rank of detective. He worked the 9th Precinct Detective Unit. He investigated non-fatal shootings and armed robberies. And in 2018, he was asked to join a sexual assault task force. He worked with the local prosecutor's office where he investigated cold case Sexual assaults, that'd be an interesting topic for a future show, Doug. And we'll have to have him back another time. He finished his career with Detroit Police Department, and he retired last year. Steve, welcome. Welcome uh, to the Cop House Podcast. Thanks. Great to be here. Yeah, we are so excited to have you here. Uh, Doug, you set this up and got him on the show. That's great. Sure Pre- did. Appreciate it. Steve, why don't we jump right into it, okay. if, if we can. How did you become interested in in diving, not necessarily police or public safety diving. We'll get into that, but how did you get interested in diving in general? It was the next great adventure, just being able to breathe underwater. I think it'd be fantastic, and all the uh, the treasures of uh, treasures of the sea and Davy Jones' locker down there, and being able to see it. And uh, yeah, it was just a, another adventure, and I thought that would be fantastic. And it actually uh, has really uh, been part of my career. Did you get interested in diving before becoming a cop or during, or how, how did that play out? Right around the same time. Okay. Um, I'm adrenaline junkie all around, so things just kind of all happen all at once. Okay, great. I've, I did a little research uh, prior to you coming on the show, and Doug, please jump in anytime here. I, I know you and Steve have a, a work history together. So yep. um, I did a little bit of research before you came on the show, Steve, and... Uh, it, there appears to be a slight difference between what, what we might call or what the public might call police diving and public safety diving. Could you speak to that a little bit and maybe talk about what you might consider yourself to be? Uh, public safety diving is a certification. It's a public safety diver certification. It basically says you can do this and this. And there are some smaller departments or smaller cities, counties, states, whatever it may be, that 
they may utilize uh, civilians to do um, dive work, but that's the certification. As far as like a police diver, we are really, you know, we're still police officers, still uniform, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, wherever we may work, but we are going to get in and get the the evidence. Um, We're going to do the the body recoveries, Mm. things like that. Whereas, you know, we're still public safety divers, Mm -hmm. um, but that term is is more of a certification than a a overall what we do. I see. So if a firefighter, for example, was a a public safety diver. Yes. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that the firefighter probably isn't going down to recover a gun or a knife uh, just because you would want that in the hands of a sworn licensed police officer. Is that correct? Yeah, and they may get certified um, to handle uh, evidence like that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, uh, it's going to be the police divers, even though there are some departments that utilize fire departments for their their underwater recovery team yeah like in my department we have there's firefighters that are on our dive team from different uh departments within the county doug would your dive team where you work currently currently yeah in your semi-rural uh police department sheriff's office would you be considered a public safety dive team or am i making too much out of this whole public safety police (laughs) (laughs) maybe a little bit so we're I guess you would call it more of a public safety dive team because we do have different jurisdictions and firefighters and a couple of civilians that are uh, on the team. But I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think anybody on my team has that public safety diver certification that Steve was just talking about. I see. But like we do have firefighters that are on our team. Okay. Are there, are there, Steve, are there certain organizations that, that oversee like this type of diving, this type of police diving, where you get these credentials to say, I'm a, I'm this or I'm that? Yeah, like I'm certified to teach through PADI, uh, which is the Professional Association of Dive Instructors, okay. PADI. Okay. Um, there are other, uh, there is NAWI, different organizations that do dive certifications. Um, most of them are going to have a public safety diver course because oh. it's money and organizations like money. So mm-hmm. if they can say, hey, th- this one's <laughs> certified for for this, then they're gonna have that. Okay. You Do you have that public safety diver cert? I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, out of all of them that I have, I don't have that one. So like, just to kind of clarify for anybody listening, that's not a certification that like you have to have to do like police diving that's work. Correct. It's just a certification that you can obtain if you so desire. Correct. Okay. So just so our audience knows, and again, thank you to our faithful listeners. We, we appreciate you listening to the Cop House podcast, but just so our audience knows, Doug and Steve worked together in, on the Detroit Police Department. They both, they both dove together. Steve um, trained me. Steve trained you, yeah. Yes, so, <laughs> that's why he's such a good diver. Uh. <laughs> so Steve, when you first expressed an interest in becoming a diver with the Detroit Police Department, did you come with any with any certifications or any training already? I was an open water diver certification. Can you speak to that a little bit? Um, open water diver, is, it's a civilian. It's anybody can get it. Hmm. Um, you can go to your local dive shop and get open water diver certified. Okay. Um, so I started off with that and started diving. And um, I was lucky enough where I got certified, they do um, 
a lot of river diving up mm. in like Marine City, a local around here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so right after I certified, I started diving rivers right away. So diving in the Detroit River was just a natural for me. Okay. Um, so I came with just experience of river diving mm-hmm. and, you know, fairly fearless. Okay. Oh. All right. Great. You both have dove the Detroit uh, Detroit River numerous times. Mm-hmm. Correct. I, I'd, I'd love to hear both of you chime in. I mean, I've <laughs> been on the Detroit River in a boat where, where I kind of tend to stay. I like to stay in the boat, but <laughs> yeah. I've been on the Detroit River a few times in a boat. Uh, I'd love to hear you both chime in a little bit about your experiences going down into the Detroit River. The way I describe going into the Detroit River is how Steve told me to describe going into the Detroit River. So I don't know if you want to say that. No, go ahead. It is the best, worst diving you can do. Yep. It's it's dark. There's a current. There's debris. There's zero visibility. Half the time you're diving by braille. You're literally just feeling with your hands. Okay. And sometimes... The visibility is so bad, it's just easier to close your eyes because it becomes mm-hmm. almost a distraction trying to see something that you can't see. Okay. Uh, so you, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. So but it's it's so cool though. Yeah, it's the best diving in the world. All right. And you're talking <laughs> a, a city that was you know founded in 1701. You know, mm-hmm. it was from Cadillac, and so you got hundreds of years of history that has just been thrown overboard you know in in that river so it's and it's just a uh uh depository for treasure well we're going to get there Uh, one of the questions that we have for you steve is what's the most interesting or exciting find police or non-police we're going to get there but if you could if you both could maybe take the audience through okay how how would a how would a a request for a dive come in through the Detroit Police Department. How, how do you know where to go? You, Steve, you described it as it's just best to close your eyes and and feel. So right. let's say you're looking for a gun, a knife. I mean, how in the world do you do you find it? Yep. Take take our audience through that. So we got to have a we get to our best best last scene point. Um, whether it be witnesses, we'll have somebody you know throw a rock like hey you saw him throw something. You know, take this rock and throw it to where you think it was. So we at least have a last scene point. To try to recreate an approximate area? Correct. Okay. Um, Everything kind of drops at a certain rate because of weight and because of the current and uh, just water. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we have that, we, depending on what it is, if it's a firearm, something small, we're going to get that last scene point. We're going to put splash divers in and we're going to do a search pattern whether it be a, a jack stay or a pendulum. If it's a gun, it's probably going to be a jack stay, uh, which is two anchors set apart, and it's a line in between. And you move an anchor, you go out, move that anchor, all within what you can, what you can work in. Um, if it's something bigger, we will run side scan sonar, which mm-hmm. is a just wonderful tool for law enforcement, when for anything, for treasure hunting, um, wreck hunting, whatever. And... We'll utilize that, try to figure that one out, and again, do the same thing, get a diver in, but we'll use a search pattern. We'll almost always be on a line, so we'll be tethered to the surface and okay. and really not just free diving, just winging it and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, it sometimes narrow, goes down to that if we've uh, done the area the best we can, and we've come up with nil, we'll just wing it and maybe just drift through it. Okay. 
Side scan sonar. Doug, is that something that your current agency? Yeah, we have that too. Utilizes that. Yeah. Can Can you talk a little bit about the the technology of that? I I don't want to spend you know, on the Cop House podcast, we like to talk about technology, police technology. Mm-hmm. I know this is a diving episode, but can you talk briefly about the technology behind the side scans side scan sonar? Yes, there's going to be a a sonar um not receiver. What's the word? The actual device, Steve. Well, the fish. <laughs> or, or the one that's on the boat, the transponder. Is yeah, that the word? Transponder. Yeah, there's a sonar transponder for side scan if it's uh, attached to a boat and it's part of the boat's equipped technology. It's going to send sonar, so sound waves, down to the bottom. And then those sound waves are going to bounce back up and be interpreted by that transponder. And that gives you a like a scrolling image on a screen um, that you can then read and almost visualize the bottom because any object that's like protruding or sitting on the bottom mm-hmm. is gonna create a shadow on that interpreted image from the sound waves coming back and then you can kind of see the shapes of things that are then on the bottom. Some of them are equipped on boats. It's part of the boat's equipment. Mm-hmm. And some of them, like Steve was talking about the fish, it's one that's towable. So you could use that on a boat that doesn't have equipped side scan, side scan sonar. You can tow that fish it looks like a torpedo Hmm. that's the actual sonar transponder and then it'll go up to like a laptop and that'll be what you're getting that scrolling image on steve this is your former student how did he do oh you're wonderful did did he nail it (laughs) yeah nailed it good job i mean i I was taking what he said with a grain of salt because i know he's your no i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) steve how much do you dive today Uh, you're not with the you retired from the detroit police department congratulations by the way from one retired cop to another thank you Uh, but you you jumped right back into policing are you diving today uh i still do civilian Mm -hmm. um i teach out of a, a local dive shop okay um I don't dive as much as I want to, right? Um, only because of work, time, and the fact I'm not the only instructor at the dive shop. Okay. Um, some of them have that's their only job, so whatever it may be. Um, luckily, I'm still the instructor for Detroit in a way. Okay. <laughs> because the current dive team uh, does not have an instructor, hmm. and they all go through one dive shop that uh, is a single source provider for the city. Okay. And that's the shop that I teach out of. Oh. So in a roundabout way, I still teach the dive team. So you get to see, <laughs> you get to see your old your old buds quite a bit? Or no, I don't. No, uh, okay. I, I dove with them over the summer okay. uh, once, and Got it. but I haven't seen them nearly as much as I want to. As we were chatting before we hit the record button, you had mentioned having expressing an interest in, in maybe having a, a dive team at your current agency yes. is that something you're actively pursuing or to the extent that you can uh, as much as I, as much as i can sure um and again i've i haven't been there very long and mm-hmm. they like people to have a little bit more time on before they start putting big requests in right um so i gotta just tread bide carefully your yeah bide your time yeah tread carefully no pun intended exactly sure. yeah oh that was hilarious good job yeah good good work <laughs> Steve, what is the most interesting thing you've found under the water? Doesn't have to be police related, although it can be. It's like I said, the the river, just like today, people are on a boat or whatever, they throw stuff overboard. Um, They've done it for centuries. And since people have been on the river for however long, so things get found, things get thrown overboard. We find a lot of... uh, late 19th century bottles called blob tops that are always very exciting. Um, they're worthless. 
So anybody listening, they're worthless. It's only debris that we pull out of the river. Um, <laughs> so we're not treasure hunting. Right. Um, yeah, so just you find a lot of really old things. I found a uh, a crock one time, 17th century crock. Wow. And just something simple, but yeah. you know, mm-hmm. something that was handmade, you know, and it's several hundred years old. It's, it's just really interesting. Sure. Wow. You know, lots so, of lots of little things. Doug, do you want to chime in on one of your, one of your interesting finds if if you're able? The one where you sunk, almost sunk the boat. Yeah, that one. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we were just doing a training dive, which is most of when we would find cool stuff, it would usually be on training dives because yeah. we're, we're generally not looking for other things or picking things up if we're on a working dive. If, we're look, if we were looking for a body or a gun or something, we're not really picking up other stuff. So on our training dives would be when we'd find our cool stuff. Um, there was one training dive I was diving with my buddy who's also on the Detroit dive team there. He's still there. Um, and we came across a barrel and it turned out to be a Prohibition era beer barrel still sealed and for our audience the prohibition was in the 1920s and early 1930s where alcohol was prohibited in the united states of america and it was a lot of times being smuggled across the detroit river from canada and you know kind of the general consensus is when you find stuff like that there it was probably lost overboard coming from canada um and i believe steve i think you were the one who kind of figured out the the time period it was from based on the uh, company that was stamped on it. Yeah, it was right about 1919. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we brought that up. Um, that was a really cool find. We, as Steve alluded to, we almost sank one of the boats bringing it up because we, <laughs> we had one of the really small boats, uh, one of the little whalers. Yeah, center console, nice and narrow. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we, we brought it up, and, you know, it was real heavy, so we're holding it, like, just under the surface, both holding on to it. And, and my buddy there, he's screaming to the guy who's driving the boat, we found a barrel, we found a barrel. He does, we have masks on, he has no idea what we're saying. So he, he brings the, the boat over, opens the dive door. So the dive door makes like the floor of the boat pretty much even with the water, the level of the water. Mm-hmm. In between putting this heavy barrel, I, I don't remember the size of the barrel, probably, it's probably like five gallons, maybe, maybe more. Uh, more than that, it's more like a, about a 20 gallon keg. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, so it's sizable, and I mean, it was still sealed, so it's full of liquid. That's heavy. And then there's me and him also trying to get up on this dive door, and that boat took on a lot of water. And we ended up getting on it, and we tried to keep the dive door open and then take the boat real fast so the water would rush back out the dive door because it's starting. the boat's starting to sit real <laughs> low in the water, and you're standing on the dock yelling at it, don't sink the boat. Don't sink the boat. I'm just I'm watching these guys. I'm like, oh, God, the boss is going to kill us. <laughs> Was the Coast Guard involved? Did, did you have to call for help from, from anyone? To, no. no. Okay, no, well, that's no. good. That's a good thing. We made it. We were able to... He uh, left the dive door open and then got the boat going real fast so the water... So the front would raise up and the water would run out towards the dive door. <laughs> right. Yeah, it got, quite the circus. It got pretty, uh, got pretty hairy there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the audience is dying to know. I, I know the outcome of this story because you told me, Doug. But mm-hmm. um, the audience is dying to know what what actually was in that barrel. It was still beer from about 1919. I mean, obviously it was disgusting and spoiled from being that old. But it, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we ended up draining it in order to preserve the barrel itself. Mm-hmm. That was one of the worst things I've ever smelled. Mm. We drained that barrel. Okay. Yeah, the uh, sample of the the beer actually went to one of our local breweries, hmm. and they actually found live yeast 
hmm. that they thought um, they could actually recreate a, a prohibition or pre-prohibition lager. Uh, unfortunately, it had a uh, it had a yeast infection. Oh, so, so, so I mean, by definition, is actually yeah. it was a yeast that had an infection, um, and they couldn't cure it. Oh, so unfortunately, they uh, they weren't able to recreate the uh, the lager. Okay, right. what ended up happening with the barrel? Last I heard, it went to uh, one of the local clubs, and they were paying for preservation. Hmm. Okay, I don't know what happened to it after that. Okay, yeah, that's I mean that's the coolest thing I've ever been a part of finding. Awesome. Well, our audience knows that that Doug and I, we strive to have a family-friendly show here. But at the end of the day, this is a show about police topics. So occasionally we have to give the disclaimer. And so if you're listening to this and you got kids in the car, I'm just going to tell you this might not be the time to listen to this next segment. Because I am, Steve, I'm going to ask you and and Doug perhaps to maybe talk about some of the... um, body recovery that you've had to do that's that's one of the responsibilities and functions of a police diver yes yes absolutely and uh it's not the it's you know almost by definition what we have to do right it's it's part of the job no ifs ands or buts about it sure because you know the for for a number of reasons i'm guessing i'm I'm gonna you know i was a police officer for a number of years Uh, the the body is evidence Uh, there could be evidence within or, or on the body, but also the family, you know, the, the family of the deceased uh, certainly would want some closure. So I, yeah, that definitely sounds like one of the primary responsibilities or important responsibilities of a police diver. Could, do either of you want to talk about a, a particular case if you're able to? Doug, up to you. You want to go first? I mean, I can, I can talk about the Grand Prix one if you want to touch on some <laughs> of the, some of the more, um, I don't want to say standard, some of the more usual ones that might happen. Yeah, so I'll go with the usual ones. Okay. So, you know, once we've done all the work, we had a last scene point, you know, we might have somebody in there, might, uh, you know, a, a possible victim. Um, we go diving. We go in. We try to find. Mm-hmm. And one particular one was off the um, the MacArthur Bridge, more commonly referred to as the Belle Isle Bridge. Mm. Um There was no last scene, no person reporting this. It was uh, some stuff that was left. Receipts, everything laid out very nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a receipt for and a bag for a yellow tow rope. And there was receipt for two 35-pound weight plates, mm-hmm. like for weightlifting plates. Mm-hmm. So with the those two, we kind of figured he, this, this person, you know, tied something to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, went diving, nighttime, freezing cold. And, you know, we end up getting kind of a target on size scan sonar and go down right by one of the stanchions. And so you have, you know, a swift current between the, uh, the stanchions of the bridge. You have eddies near the, right near it, which is the currents going the opposite way. Mm. And then you have dead current right behind it. So you have all these different things. It's cold. My flashlight's kind of on the blitz. End up finding uh, the yellow tow rope. Okay. And ended up. Uh, finding the victim unfortunately there was a one plate still tied Hmm. and uh yeah trying to lift that one that's i mean it's dead weight sure not you know not to be made light of it by any means i know you're not um yeah but yeah that was a that was a difficult one were you down there with a partner to to help you okay so you're down there by yourself you're not only lifting 
the the body but the, this this plate as yeah. well and we're on a line so we're on on a hard line and that's where our comms are so we're talking to the surface it's an open line mm-hmm. and so i'm like yep pull me up yep man i'm inflating I'm like yeah so send one person in so they sent one person off the boat mm-hmm. right at the surface just to help get the victim onto the boat mm-hmm. with all that weight because uh our homicide section doesn't like us cutting cutting ropes or cutting knots if we don't have to because they want to you know use that as investigative investigative purposes sure what does that look like then and both of you feel free to chime in on that what does that look like obviously the the dive unit makes the recovery is there a homicide detective on the boat on standby do you call him or her out later how what does that look like they get called out after we after we do the recovery okay i see I'm guessing visibility down there was absolutely zero. It was almost zero. Yeah, like I said, the only thing I, I ended up finding the yellow tow rope. I see. And luckily, luckily it was bright yellow. Okay, gotcha. Doug, Steve mentioned it was freezing cold that night. Mm-hmm. How, how, tell our audience, if you would, how, how does a diver dive in the Detroit River that's fast and cold freezing cold to use steve's words Mm -hmm. how does that go down so we had uh we were fortunate enough to be issued dry suits which is a suit that you're completely sealed inside of and it actually keeps you as the name implies dry and you can actually wear um, layers underneath there are specific layers that come with it for insulation um and being that you're dry and you generally lose most of your body heat when you're in the water to the water that's actually uh, you'll still get cold but you definitely it, it can be uncomfortable but you'll be warm and okay um we had some events we would work like when we'd work the polar plunge we'd layer up all underneath and we would have to be in the water when they were doing the polar plunge which is a fundraiser for the special olympics i believe mm-hmm. and we were the safety team for that so i mean we were in the water in a hole in the ice for quite a bit of time and i mean you you do get cold like your extremities in particular your fingers and toes but it's it's tolerable you said you were the safety team for this special event so mm-hmm. uh, you were down in the water yes for, for the whole event or somebody was mm-hmm. could could either one of you speak to any rescue training now we, we haven't really talked about that we've talked about evidence recovery um, is there any rescue training that go to that goes into a, yes. a, a police dive can you speak to that Steve yep everybody on the team needs to be certified as a rescue diver Um, And that is everything from oxygen administration, um, CPR, Mm -hmm. uh, in-water press. um, Can you you define that, in-water press? So you get uh, an unconscious person, Mm -hmm. somebody, you get them to the surface. You can't do CPR in water. Obviously, you can't do chest compressions, um, which is the most important part. And you can't feel for a pulse. So what you do is you check for breathing as best you can. And as you're getting that person to shore or to a boat as quickly as possible, you're giving breaths in water. Every, every five seconds, you're giving a breath. Okay. And so it's pretty exhausting. You have gear on, they have gear on. You're trying to get their gear off. You're trying to get your gear off. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's a diver, that needs to be rescued, obviously. Right. Um, if it's a civilian and they're in a swimsuit, obviously not worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're doing in water breast and you're getting them out as safely and as quickly as possible and getting them to to help to EMS. Okay. The the first thing you said was oxygen provider. Provider. Yep. What what does that look like? What I, I don't have no idea. Are 
is that go ahead yep it's actually using a um an oxygen mask mm -hmm. and getting him to shore or to a boat and getting then and turning up the o2 oh okay and so not something that's done in the water no this it's all outside of water gotcha okay what other training if if any is involved for a police diver for rescue purposes um that's about it you're going you okay. know it's, it's the basics of it um you're doing you know getting a if as a police diver with other divers with your partners you got to make sure that you're always you know watching each other mm -hmm. uh getting anybody to the surface safely not too fast because diving is mm. you know you you can't come up too fast that's all it is mm -hmm. um and just you know taking care of the bust and can you speak briefly to why and i know there's a whole science behind it that i don't understand because i'm not very <laughs> smart but can you speak briefly to why can't you come up too fast uh nitrogen it's as under pressure because water has pressure and as you're diving you your body actually compresses um and it gets it it pushes nitrogen into your tissues um if you come up slowly it's kind of like shaking up a a coke bottle mm -hmm. and if you open that bottle really really slow it just it hisses mm -hmm. it comes out really easy you crack that open really fast and everything comes out of bubbles and it sprays out the okay. same thing happens in your body mm. if you come up too fast it's like opening that coke bottle really fast oh, and that analogy. nitrogen comes out of solution and turns into bubbles which gets into your your body tissues and um it can cause a lot of damage okay Doug, where you're currently employed, obviously you have firefighters on on your your dive team. Yeah. Um, I, I assume you all have been trained in. Well, you probably had your training from from Steve here, but yeah, my it, my training was all from Steve. Right. I, I had my certifications when I joined my current dive team. But when when your dive team currently gets together and to train, is there a rescue element to that training as well? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to speak kind of to a rescue element in terms of like getting called out because generally by the time the dive team gets out there and gets ready we're talking about recovery right so a lot of like if you have uh like if you have a boat that turns over or a kayaker that flips or something like that and somebody makes a 911 call mm -hmm. it's going to be the on-duty fire department who's going to show up with their boat and try to rescue someone right if they are unable to do that that's usually when the dive team is going to get involved. And at that point, we're talking about a recovery. I see. Um, because so, so much time has passed. It's yeah, because, I mean, we'll get called out in the middle of the night. Mm. They'll, they'll call us and we'll be coming from home. And we got to go get our equipment, go drive to get our equipment, drive to go get on a boat, mm. take the boat out to wherever the last scene point is, like Steve was talking about. And at that point, generally... Generally, by the time the dive team is involved, we're talking about a recovery. A lot of the rescue efforts in terms of incidents that we're called out to are going to be, the rescue is going to be the the fire department who's currently working that area. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So okay. it, it's gen right. generally going to be recovery. We are going to get back, Doug, because I'd, I'd love for you to chime in on one of your uh, body recoveries. Mm -hmm. uh, but since you mentioned equipment, Steve, when you were with Detroit... Um, your full-time assignment was not the dive team, correct? That's correct. So you were you worked a number of precincts. You were uh, sexual assault cases, cold cases. Uh, worked for, worked with the prosecutor's office. You had a number of assignments. Did you always carry your dive equipment with you when you were on duty, or how did no, that go down? Okay. That stays at the dive base. I see. Okay. Um, and 
so when we're called, we get to the base, we load up, we kind of figure out what we have mm-hmm. and what we're going to do, whether we're going there by vehicle or by boat. Okay. Uh, it's going to depend on what it is. Okay. So. And that's that's kind of dependent on the department, too. I know, like, uh, I know at least there's one sheriff's office in southeast Michigan where their, their dive team, mm-hmm. they do just keep their dive gear, like, in their patrol car with them. Right. Um, so... Uh, my department works similar, more similar to how Detroit was, where all your dive gear is with all the other dive gear at whatever base you're using or faci- department facility, and you're going to be responding from there. I wonder if, I'm going to speculate here, I wonder if that has to do with the number of calls that would come out in the Detroit River. Number of calls and distance, um, okay. being that the base is on the river, because right. it's easier to get there and just get there and do mm-hmm. that. Um, someplace where it's uh, a little bit more rural, where you know people are coming from long distances. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's easier just to have some gear, have some rescue equipment in the trunk. Um, that could work. It depends on you know where. You know, it's all about uh, location. Would you both say that the vast majority of your dive experience with Detroit was in the river? Most of it. Okay. I've Mine would have been all of it. Okay. But done a couple of pools. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, pools, ponds. Not a lot of inland lakes in the city of Detroit. I'm, I'm guessing. Or no, or there's ponds. Okay. Um, like golf courses, things mm-hmm. like that. You, you've had a couple that were in flooded basements. Yeah. Yeah. Those, wow. Those were. Uh, yeah. Could you talk to one, talk to one of those if you're comfortable doing? Oh so? yeah. One uh, was the. The victim been down there for a long time. Okay. Um, I'm not sure how much I can speak to it because of it's. It was a uh, a homicide. Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, that uh, that was bad. That was a uh, in the water for that long. Mm-hmm. Ends up being uh, just a mess. Okay. But yeah, flooded basements are. We don't get those a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, flooded elevator shafts, things like that. But it does happen once in a while. What kind of hazards are we talking about? I mean, I, diving's. A, I have to imagine in a hazardous activity anyways, but now you start talking about elevator shafts, you talk, start talking about flooded basement, there could be chemicals down there. Yeah. Uh, Entanglements. You're enclosed, there could be electricity. Right. I, I, can you speak to that a little bit? I, you covered most of them. Okay, I mean, okay. the entanglements. Well, like, what, how do you um, keep your you and your team safe uh, when you gotta deal with that kind of stuff? For basements elevator shafts things like that stagnant water sitting water mm-hmm. um we have a suit some of our older suits but um we have a few that are still in good shape or hopefully they're still in good shape um vulcanized rubber okay. which is basically radiation proof okay uh, it's what they used at chernobyl mm. um but that is really good for keeping the chemicals keeping the decomp off you Okay. Um, the decomposition of the body. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So yep. uh, biohazard material. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's a better word for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got you, Steve. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> one thing we try to do on the Cop House podcast is when, when somebody, when one of us, Doug and I, kind of check each other, when one of us throws out a, an acronym or a, a policeism like FTO, yep. the other one it tries to define it. Outstanding. Because our, you know, our audience might not know what that is. So yeah. Doug, do you want to speak to one of your body recovery uh, events, if you can? Yeah, I'll talk about the the Grand Prix one. Yeah, that's that a good one. one. <laughs> that one is uh, 
you know, it's not humorous that someone lost their life, but the circumstances around our involvement is kind of funny. Um, so we were actually working a, a special event. We were working the Detroit Belle Isle Grand Prix, which is the, the race that goes on on Belle Isle every year. Um, and they had us standing by because there was a part of the track, and Steve, you could probably describe this a little better than me, but there's part of the track where it's possible for a car to go in the water? Yeah, it's a straightaway where the speeds that they had the engineers say that they could actually go in the water. Yeah, so so we go there, and in the week leading up to the Grand Prix, they teach us how to get a driver out of a car if you know there was to be a car that goes in the water. And then basically we keep people at least partially suited up and just on standby while this race is going on. Anyways, so we were working for that. So we were already on the boat working this Grand Prix detail, just sitting on the boat, um, and I believe somebody heard on the radio that someone called and said that there was a body in the water yes. floating past. What park is that? Uh, I was down by the Roberts Riverwalk Hotel. Um, okay. Just, maybe just east of Shane Park. Okay, now, Shane Park. Now called the, uh, the Aretha Franklin. Okay. Yeah, so there was a call. Somebody heard it on the radio that there was a body that was in the water and floating past this park. And um, turns out at the park, there was a graduation party with about 400 high schoolers there. Oh, no. And there is this deceased person who is floating past this party. Mm-hmm. So me, you, me, you, and our other friend were on the same boat. We're like, okay, well, let's let's go try to rec- make this recovery real quick. Um, and I think part of the reason was we were on this smaller boat. Yeah, a small, the, fast boat. The same one that we almost sank. Yep. <laughs> It's a resilient little boat. Yeah. With the keg. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That one. The barrel. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it it was pretty close to the shore and it gets pretty rocky over there. I think that was why we got in close because we had the the more maneuverable boat. Right. Because our bigger boat actually did show up. Yeah. But they couldn't get as close. Yeah. So, so we go in there, we see it. It's floating past this party of 400 high schoolers Mm. and, um, we're trying to get it in the boat. And this is kind of the part that's a little funny on our on our end of it. Again, not funny that someone lost their life, but right. some of the circumstances regarding our involvement are kind of funny. So our our friend is he is trying to grab this body and pull it up through that dive door that I talked about, where you can open the door and it makes the the deck of the boat basically even with the water. Okay, it's a very narrow dive door, and I don't have a room to really get next to him and help him. Mm-hmm. The deceased gentleman was fairly large, mm-hmm. and he's trying to pull him up. He can't do it. I can't really get a hand on him, mm-hmm. and I also don't have any gloves on. Right. So the only thing I can think to do, I grab our buddy's belt. Mm. <laughs> so now oh. he's holding on to this guy. We're in the current. Yeah. The boat is kind of getting a little close to the rocks, and this group of 400 high schoolers there, and I'm like, ah, I guess I'll just grab his belt. So there's video footage somewhere. Somebody took cell phone footage from this party and all you can see is <laughs> our friend head down through the dive door mm-hmm. me standing behind him with my hand down the back of his pants <laughs> and the boat just trying to stay away from the rocks and it just looks like an absolute circus oh my goodness so we we end up uh and i remember I, i'm like i, I don't i don't have any gloves or any gloves here steve's just like just 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 grab him just grab him so i'm like ah, and i don't want to grab this deceased guy because sure. if i don't know if the, he's in a state of decomposition or if there's going to be evidence or anything so i'm like right 
ah, so I just, I grabbed the guy's shirt. I'm trying not to touch him as much as possible. We, we eventually got him yes. onto the boat, but it's, uh, the funny part is that video where you can see the boat kind of spinning slowly yep. and our, our buddy with his head down in the dive door and me with my hand down the back of his pants, trying to keep him from falling over. If, if. Could you tell how many of the kids took note of what was taking place? Oh, there was a graduation. All of them. Crowd. All of them. It was a graduation. Everyone had. Everyone was standing by the riverbank with their cell phones out. Oh my. Well, that's definitely a memorable graduation ceremony or or (laughs) open house or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Steve and Doug, both of you, if you want to chime in on this one, it would it would be great. Your most harrowing experience underwater. I, I don't necessarily want to use the word scariest, but but the time when maybe you were underwater and you thought, Ugh, some, something's not right here, or I, I need to remedy this situation because it's going south very quickly. Uh, either you want to talk to that? Doug, you want to go first? I bet you probably know what mine is. Go for it. You remember the uh, dive we did off-duty, the shipwreck dive in Lake Huron? Yep. We, we off-duty, a bunch of us went to go dive. This wasn't even a public safety dive. This was off-duty. We go to dive. We do like a shipwreck tour almost. You know, you pay and they take you to shipwrecks and you dive them. And I was buddied up with the same buddy who I had my hand down his pants trying to keep him from going over the boat. That just doesn't sound right. Yeah. No, his belt. It's, <laughs> <laughs> trying to grab his belt. I couldn't get his belt, you know. Yeah, um, I gotcha. <laughs> Um, so I was actually partnered up with him. We were buddied up for this dive, and he had this like fancy underwater camera he was trying to play with. So we're, we're on the shipwreck dive. We're at probably 100, 105 feet or so. I don't remember which wreck it was. but And he kind of keeps going up a little bit and back down a little bit, playing around with his camera. And at one point, he goes up, and I don't see him anymore. And I thought he went up a little bit, so I go up a little bit. I don't see him, so I go back down. And they had told us to make sure you go up the line that we went down. Yeah, right back to the boat. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I don't know where this line's at. I'm watching my air. I'm like, I'm getting pretty low on air. I still don't know where he's at. So I end up finding this guy who was also on the wreck dive who wasn't even with our group. And he was like a tech diver. So he had a, like a bunch of tanks strapped to him. And he's got two tanks on, another tank under his arm. He's got all kinds of stuff clipped to him. And I'm like, I'm trying to hand signal to him like, hey, Where's the line to go back up? Because I need to go up. I'm, I'm getting yeah. a little low on air here. Sure. And he, Not a good feeling. No. Well, I, I had enough for a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't urgent. But I think he misunderstood me and thought that I was, like, dangerously out of air. Okay. So he, like, looks at me, and I'm trying to, like, hey, where's, where's the line? And he's, like, and he's, like, um, he his eyes get real big. And he starts like pulling stuff off of his his BCD. He's got stuff clipped to him. Mm-hmm. He starts like unclipping stuff, and he starts unrolling his like rescue flag, his inflatable. Uh, what it? It's I know a, we call it a sausage. I don't remember what it's, it's actually called. It's a submersible. Uh, it's a dive buoy. Okay. Yeah, so. like a rescue buoy. Yeah. It's, you fill it with air, and it, it goes to the surface. That lets people on the surface know something's not right. Yeah, it's a surface marker buoy, SMB. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that's not even not for um, that something's not right. Mm. It's more of just it's a marker. Okay. Um, on a dive, um, you just pop it up. That's where the diver's going to be. So he's so he starts unrolling this, and he's got lines on him. He's clipping stuff, unrolling stuff. He starts inflating this, this the the buoy. And I'm like, I'm looking at him like, dude, it's not 
it's not that bad. Right. What do we? And he's he's in full like oh no mode. Rescue he's, mode. He's in rescue <laughs> mode. He's this guy. He's like he, he couldn't wait to rescue me. That's a te- <laughs> that's a techie. They they are just all about these drills and uh, yeah. safety and he's all that. got he's got all kinds of stuff clipped to him. He's unclipping stuff, tying stuff together, hooking stuff up. He's sending the buoy up, and I'm just looking at him like, I just wanted to know where the line was yeah, to go but. up. <laughs> but we get to the surface, and by the time we got to the surface, I was pretty much out of air, so that was close. And I get up, and my, my buddy, who I was supposed to be with, he's up there on the boat laughing, having a great time. I'm like, where'd you go? <laughs> like, well, you just <laughs> left you me. go? <laughs> you left me down there with the tech diver guy. What do you... <laughs> The great thing about these stories is when you tell a story, it, it makes me think of like 20 different questions I want to ask. And, <laughs> and, and I know we don't want to be here for three hours. So, right. But um, Steve, this buoy that, that you both were talking about, would that be used for evidentiary purposes as well? Like you, you find the gun. Would you send a buoy up or no? Or no, we, no, we would uh, collect it. Okay. All right, um, so you're we, not... have, we have like uh, little bins or like they're... Uh, PVC tubes okay. that we would put the evidence in, so we're not not getting our fingers all over them or our right. paws because they still can get prints from items that have been in the water. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And that you know, one of our future shows, Doug, is going to be evidence collection because mm-hmm. that's that's a passion of mine. That, yeah. that crime scene uh, evidence collection. Do you ever do on? Do you ever do any underwater um, photography? You see the gun, you, you snap a picture, probably impossible in the Detroit River, but it, have you ever done that, Steve? Or no? not, that- for, not for firearms and things. It's, it's more um, our report that puts all that. But if uh, it's a, a homicide scene hmm. and there's been ones like that, it will be, it'll be fo- photographed before we bring anything up. Okay. All right. So you've also been trained in under underwater photography, which yeah, is gonna, probably a whole new animal. It really is. I'm an instructor for that one too. Oh, fantastic! So. Cool. Um, I think Steve was also supposed to have a story about a harrowing dive experience. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. I, I'm I'm all ears. <laughs> um, I don't know about harrowing. Just interest in my first recovery, my first body recovery. Um, I was. We were the whole team. We were pulling uh, cars out of the river over by the gas docks, which is just was a popular place to dump cars. Okay. Whether they'd be stolen or whatnot. We always look for Jimmy Hoff. I never found him. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a recurring joke on, I think, every dive team. Yeah, oh, it's Jimmy Hoffa. It's Hoffa. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> um, and I could hear, because I was on comps, I could hear on the, the radio some squawking about uh, somebody that jumped. Hmm. Um, and so the visibility that, that day was horrible. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the water. and A, a jump that just had happened? Somebody th- jumped yep. in the river? Correct. Oh, my goodness. Okay, go ahead. And uh, so I'm like, all right, I, I come up, pull me up, get on the boat, get over there. They send one diver in that's already suited. Um, I'm suited as well. Uh, this is when I'm very new on the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing the search pattern, search pattern, can't find them, can't find them. And so, okay, I'm already suited. So I go in and end up finding them. I'm, I'm I'm doing that whole dive by braille that I'm talking about, using my hands, mm-hmm. feeling back and forth. And I'm on the part where my hands are not in front of me. All of a sudden, 
this person is in front of me. Mm. And it's like you're on an open line. You can't scream. Mm-hmm. You, know, you never, never live that one down. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's right. Like, so apparently, I, if I'm startled, I get a British accent. I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> I found him. Um, so, yeah, that was. Did, did you really? Yeah. You went over the radio. Hello. hello oh, hello. Found him. <laughs> in <laughs> yeah. lieu of screaming. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to scream, but I get a British accent apparently when okay. I get startled. Well, oh, yeah, I'm startled is all of a sudden there's this person. It's my it's first. It's a coping mechanism. It's my first recovery. Yeah. Well, okay. So that was, uh, that's a, a memorable one. All right. All right. Because he just appeared right in front of you. Yeah, and he was I was just right face there? to face. Gotcha. It wasn't even <laughs> wasn't even like a middle of him or a foot. It was his face. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. Jump out your skin right there. Yeah. Both of you chime in on the difference between diving in a lake and diving in a river, specifically the Detroit River. Lakes are easy. Lakes are fun. They're calm. They're usually a little bit more clear. You know, depending on the lake, obviously. Um, but you can go back and forth. It just, you can't, in the river, you're not swimming against that current for very long. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's water. It weighs, you know, it's 800 times denser than air. Okay. You're not fighting it. Um, so you end up, you know, when you dive in the lake, you can swim this way and you can swim that way. You can kind of go wherever you want. Mm-hmm. In the river, especially on like a drift dive or a uh, even a recovery dive, when you're, you're always facing upriver. You're facing into the water. Okay. Um, is into the current. Mm-hmm. So on a drift, like on a training dive, we dive backwards. It seems counterintuitive, but it slows you down. So every so often, you kind of run into things, and you look back, and it's a barbecue grill, or it's a garbage can, or, or one of those stupid electric scooters. Uh, uh, stupid scooters, or it's a a boat. Are there a lot of those in the Detroit River, Doug? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that that night dive we did a couple years ago. Um, we pulled what 13 or 14 out just in that one night <laughs> wow sounds right yeah it was a lot of scooters people just throw them in okay um yeah diving in the river though totally different just right. because you're diving backwards like you see you run into things mm-hmm. um i know of at least one occurrence that it was somebody ran into something and turned around with his body okay uh, that uh, on a training dive mm-hmm. too just somebody jumped in and did that person say oh hello i, I don't know <laughs> yeah, right considering it was uh, it was john probably not no no john uh he uh yeah he had something else <laughs> doug did yeah. he hit them all uh, the difference between lakes and and uh, and rivers uh i would say so yeah the one thing that is nicer about the river though is if you stir up the bottom mm-hmm. and you know it, like if you're on a, if it's on a day when you do have some visibility mm-hmm. and if you stir up the bottom and you kick up a bunch of silt and mud and, and stuff um in a lake if you do that mm-hmm. you're just toast you will not see anything for the rest of your dive okay um unless you leave the area mm-hmm. um in a river in the river especially the detroit river with a pretty fast current if you do that mm-hmm. you just sit tight wait a couple seconds and the current will push all that stirred up silt away and then mm-hmm. you can see again okay another reason we dive backwards mm-hmm. is because that silt's getting pushed behind us yeah so we always have a, a better view okay very cool river I, diving's more fun yeah. i think best di- best diving in the world best worst diving right. in the world yes. best <laughs> worst diving i think that's the quote of the episode best worst diving yeah, yeah. i only have one more question Doug, I don't know if you have any other questions or, or comments uh, for Steve. Um, I only have one more. And, and before we wrap this episode up, this has been so cool and informative mm-hmm. for me who knows nothing about diving. You good? 
I might think of something in a minute, but if you want to go first. Well, I, Steve, I guess, you know, as we think about wrapping the episode up, do you have any advice for the young cop who might say, yeah, I want to be a, I want to be a police diver, public safety diver someday. I, obviously, I'm, I'm making a big deal of the whole police public safety thing, but yeah. uh, somebody who might want to be a police diver, any advice? Oh, it's do it. It's, I should have done it years before I did because mm-hmm. um, I was certified many, many years before I joined the, uh, the dive team. Mm-hmm. I should have done it earlier. Um, it's great training. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, just know that, you know, as far as police, we see, unfortunately, we see victims. We see, we see dead people all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the road, yeah, you go up, you look at them, and they're dead. Mm-hmm. In the river, you better know that you got to grab a hold of them. Mm-hmm. On a recovery, you're you're getting face to face, up close and personal with them. Right. Uh, you just got to be comfortable with that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not for everybody. But if you have uh, an inkling to do it, do it because you'll never regret it. A a person who might struggle with confined spaces or or claustrophobia, probably not, not the for, best. Not for them. Probably not say? the best, no. Okay. Right. Yeah, so that, I mean, Dad, that kind of puts you out of the, the pool there. You've been on me to, to go get certified in diving and, uh, yeah. Just I, recreational diving. I know right. a pretty good instructor. Oh, yeah. I also I, know a very I, good instructor. I do too, yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I went through the fire academy several years ago. I'm, I, that's a confession of mine. And, you know, when we had to put on the, the SCBA gear and, yep. and, and crawl through the room with the the furniture and the wires on top of us with a blacked out face shield yeah i nearly freaked out so i'm no. not sure diving is <laughs> my cup of tea uh, recreational we're not going to do that to you oh well good yeah we're not gonna gonna black out your mask and have you undo a knot and untie yourself or uh you know figure something out don't worry about that okay cool good <laughs> i'll be nice thank you just take them to one of the quarries yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> Doug, I don't have any more questions. I don't. I don't know if. Uh, I, I don't think I have anything else either. Steve, is there anything that you feel like you wanted to talk about or thought might be interesting to bring up that wasn't maybe touched on or asked about? No, not at this point. All okay, right. I think we're. I think that about does it. Doug, you want to plug our social media and our platforms? Absolutely. Uh, find us on Facebook, the Cop House Podcast on twitter and instagram we are at cop house podcast and you can find us wherever you get your podcast apple podcast spotify amazon name it and we're on there steve this has been awesome I, having you on the show for our first guest episode has been incredible i've learned so much i hope our i'm sure our audience has too thank you for coming on well yeah. thank you for having me this has been great i yeah. also appreciate all the stuff that you have taught me over the last few years you're welcome appreciate it as so. as doug's dad I appreciate you taking care of him and teaching him to be a good diver. Thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) And to our brothers and sisters out there who are working uniform or maybe you're working in an investigative unit, please be careful out there. Be safe, everybody.